are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, August 9th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please be sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast, which will only take a quick couple of seconds, literally just a quick click of the button will be helping me out tremendously. Be sure to also go and rate the show with five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then feel free to go and leave me a review. I always greatly appreciate getting feedback from all you wonderful listeners out there. If you're a longtime listener, consistent listener of the show, please go and leave me a review. I would greatly appreciate it. And the best part about it all is that it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that's through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, etc. It's all 100% for free, and if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then you gotta be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, because each and every episode moving forward, folks, is gonna have a video attached to it as well. So if you haven't done so yet, do me a quick favor, please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. It would really mean more to me than you all know. The numbers have really been jumping up over the past couple of months. I greatly appreciate it, but I'm really still trying to keep growing each and every day. So if you haven't subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube yet, please take the quick second to go and do so right now. And also, go and smash the like button on this video down below and turn on the push notifications so that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good morning everyone. Thank you all for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and thank you all for making the show your first listen here to start off your day on the show today folks. This is a special crossover episode that I recorded over the weekend with none other than Jay Forster from Lockdown Blue Jackets as we took a look back at the Seth Jones trade that took place just over a year ago. Of course, a lot has happened in particular for the Chicago Blackhawks since that deal went down. Stan Bowman, of course, is no longer the general manager. Jeremy Colleton's no longer the head coach. The Blackhawks very clearly are not trying to make a run for the postseason anymore after um, really making a few costly mistakes that kind of put this team in a deeper hole than they already were in. It forced new GM Kyle Davidson, it really forced his hand and gave him no choice but to go with a full-blown scorched earth rebuild here in Chicago. So I hope you all enjoy part one of this conversation that I had with Jay Forster from Lockdown Blackhawks again as we look back at the quite controversial Seth Jones trade Seth Jones trade that took place a little over a year ago. So it's been about a year since the uh, the Seth Jones trade which I think was a big turning point for both the shape of the Blue Jackets future and the shape of the Blackhawks future. So I thought let's uh let's get into it. Let's 
really look at the trade, how it was for both sides. I know that I've talked a lot on Locked on Blue Jackets about, you know, how happy I was with the picks, with the players that we ended up getting. So I thought, hey, let's get let's get Locked on Blackhawks in here. We'll do a squad cast and uh, let's talk to Jack about how he feels about the trade. But uh, how's, uh, how's it going, Jack? It's going good. Uh, kind of some tough memories looking back at this trade as we've been planning this episode. I, I went back and reviewed it late last night and I was just like, oh boy. This ended up working against the Blackhawks in so many different ways. So I'm a little scarred from this one. Uh, and as you've mentioned, it, it really has um, shaped the Blackhawks' future and not particularly in a good way. It's kind of hindered their rebuild a little bit. Now, obviously, when the trade happened, Stan Bowman was still the general manager. And based on all the other moves that he had made last summer as well, he, he was really trying to give this team one last run and it just ended up backfiring in, in the worst way possible. And now the Blackhawks are in an even tougher spot because of that. So yeah, a little bit scarred from this one, but uh, I am excited to get into it because there's a lot to discuss, especially from, from the Blackhawks side of things and what they're trying to do right now, Jay. Yeah, for sure. So I guess let's, let's start off with just kind of break, breaking it down a little bit. How was Seth Jones for your team last season? So there, there's a lot of varying opinions on the type of season that Seth Jones had last year. Now, based on the numbers, um, he wound up with his second most points in his career with 51, set a new career high in assists with 46. He led the NHL in ice time with over 26 minutes per game. There were a lot of times down the second half of the season where it was getting up right around 30, sometimes even over that if the games were going to overtime. Uh, and, and the Blackhawks were still horrible. So I, I don't even want to think about how bad this team would have been without Seth Jones. And I know there are a lot of people, a lot of Blackhawks fans out there that, that are saying, well, Seth Jones was part of the problem. I, I really don't think that he was. Now, sure, he had his hiccups throughout the course of the season, especially early on. He was really struggling, I think, to get adapted to Jeremy Colleton's system that was a, a little bit wonky and never truly worked in his tenure here as head coach. Uh, also, just kind of getting settled, I think, with new teammates, new defensive pairings, and all that good jazz. I think that really was tough for him early on in the season. But as uh, as the year progressed, he definitely got more and more comfortable. And there were games where you could tell he was the best player on the ice with his ability to skate the puck up in the neutral zone, make things happen on the offensive side of things. For the Blackhawks, they really didn't have another defenseman with that skill set this season, and Seth what was really the only guy who could provide that type of game for this team. And he did have, you know, some times where he struggled in the defensive zone and there's this huge debate about whether or not he truly is a number one defenseman that, you know, I think is still up in the air. I don't know if he's a number one defenseman on a really good team, but to say that he's a bad defenseman, I think is, is just ludicrous. I mean, you got to watch what he's able to do on the ice, the skill set that he provides, the size, uh, the offensive IQ. I mean, he really is, I don't want to call him a unicorn of defenseman because he's not at that elite level, but the size and the skill that he provides, there aren't very many like him in the NHL. So I, I think he's a top pairing defenseman, maybe not, like I said, a number one on a good team, but I thought Seth Jones had a pretty darn good season. And even looking at some of his analytics, again, on one of the worst teams in the entire NHL. This dude was playing 26, 27, 28 minutes a night, and he still had a positive Corsi percentage. He was on the ice for 95 goals 
four for the Blackhawks. One of the worst offenses in the entire NHL. He was on the ice for 95 goals for it, even strength. Was on the ice for 128 against, but again, he was the NHL leader in time on ice on a terrible team. And one thing that played heavily into that as well, you do a little bit deeper dive into some analytics, His the on-ice save percentage when Seth Jones was on the ice was 87%. Now, maybe his defensive struggles played into that a little bit, but the goaltending for the Blackhawks was not good this year when he was on the ice. That didn't help him in that department uh, in terms of goals against and the plus-minus, which a lot of people randomly love to throw in Seth Jones' truther's face. They're like, oh, he was a minus 30 this year. Plus-minus is... I mean, it can be helpful in certain situations, but all in all, I think it's known as a pretty overrated stat. So again, I'm not saying Seth Jones is a number one defenseman on a good team, but to think that he had a bad season, I think is a little bit ridiculous. I thought it was a pretty solid year from Seth all in all, Jay. All right, folks, part one of my conversation with Jay Forster from Lockdown Blue Jackets will continue in just a moment. But first, I need to talk to you all about Athletic Greens and their new AG1 product. With just one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more to help you start your day. This special blend of ingredients helps support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's truly an incredible supplement. And Athletic Greens was first created when the founder experienced a ton of gut issues themselves and ended up on a complicated supplement routine in order to recover. That used to cost them $100 per day. But now, Athletic Greens has an optimal and affordable nutrition routine that costs you less than $3 per day, which is just such a cheap way to invest in both your health and your body. And I'm not kidding, folks. I really do try to make sure I get my one scoop of AG1 every morning, whether it's before I do the show or before I go golfing with friends. It really does give me that extra boost that I need to get me going in the morning. I can I can feel the effect it has on my focus, how my body feels early on in the morning, especially when I'm out there on the course. I'm a very competitive person. I always want to beat my buddies. It really does give me that leg up that I need over the competition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network right now. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network for a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. Head over to athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yeah, for sure. Whenever people throw plus minus in people's faces, I always think about there was a, a season a few years back where I think Alex Ovechkin had like the third worst plus minus in the entire league. You know, yeah, he scores like a ton of power play goals and he plays a lot. And you know, <laughs> he plays it, a million minutes, and it's all circumstantial. Yeah, for sure. And like I think, and we've talked about this before, like when we were and we were discussing, like we've discussed the trade a couple of times or the potential of a trade. A lot of the things that Seth Jones is good at are the things that analytics and stats can't necessarily measure yet so i think it it does and this is something that i've kind of thought about a lot even when he was on the team as well you know there was um a lot of talk about how seth jones is looked good in the eye test but his analytics are really underwhelming and i'm like okay but what if we dig into why that is and 
you know, is, is there something that we're not measuring that he's really good at and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think Seth Jones had a really tough job this season and I think probably went into the team a little bit overhyped. I think a lot of people assumed that he was going to come in and be the savior of this team. And, you know, I saw a lot of tweets being like, wow, they've picked up Seth Jones. They picked up Marc-Andre Fleury. Blackhawks are back. And unfortunately, Marc-Andre Fleury struggled. Um, I think Seth Jones had a, a pretty decent season, but I think he struggled, again, just by being on a bad team. And it does feel a little bit like when we traded for Patrick Laine a couple of years ago, he had just a truly terrible first season with the Blue Jackets. And whether that's, you know, a combination of, well, he was injured for a little bit at times. Um, he was, you know, getting used to a new team, the emotional side of being traded, the global pandemic. And then he kind of came out this season and was a point per game. You know, he had 56 points in 56 games, Patrick Lane this season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Seth Jones take an even bigger jump next season as he kind of gets used to this um the systems gets used to a new coach gets used to new teammates is kind of used to being a blackhawk a little bit more now yeah i think that's a good point that you bring up the expectations too can really i think sway people's opinions especially when seth jones inks a eight-year 9.5 million dollar contract i think everyone knows that was a little bit too much for seth jones right but now people are associating him with that 9.5 million dollar number i saw uh you know jay fresh hockey on twitter mm -hmm. he posted he's been posting a bunch of polls and he ran a poll about they rated number one defenseman and Seth Jones was rate was rated by fans as the 27th best number one defenseman in the NHL. Now there's a lot of good defensemen out there. I don't know if he's top 10, but 27th, I felt like was entirely too low for what he does. And I actually tweeted out, I wonder where Seth Jones would be if he made eight to $8.5 million, because I really think that number changes the way people view him. And also, like you said, coming into this season, there were a lot of expectations that the Blackhawks were going to be lively again. They were, you know, making moves that fans perceived and rightfully perceived to be moves that are made to try and contend, try to get back in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then there, there were a bunch of things that happened early on in the season. Of course, the team went on a, a horrible start. I don't think they had a lead for the first seven games or something ridiculous. And then obviously the Kyle Beach stuff as well. Like Seth Jones was probably like, what is going on here? This is not what I signed up for when I said I, I'd get traded to the Blackhawks. Like it was probably such a tough situation for, for him to go into. And I'm sure that probably played a part in his slowish start for in his first year with the Blackhawks as well. So yeah, I think... People need to be a little bit patient with Seth Jones. I know they want to see the immediate results, but um, time, is, time is only going to tell whether or not he truly is this type of defenseman. And it, it's, it's an interesting spot for him to be in right now, right, too, because in just a year's time, I'm sure he's not very happy with the direction this team is taking, not what he signed on for at all. And with the contract that he has, it's it's basically unmovable. Even if he were to waive his no movement clause, I don't think the Blackhawks are going to want to retain salary for seven or eight years. You know what I mean? I think Seth Jones is here for the long haul and it's going to be tough for him. So, um, but with that being said, I, I wish Blackhawks fans would just go and view him with an open opinion, like not have this preconceived notion. This actually happened earlier in the season as well. Um, 
I was at a Blackhawks game and this person I was sitting next to was just hounding him the whole game. I'm like, for what? It's just like these preconceived notions that people have of Seth Jones. It's actually kind of wild to me that because of what he signed on for, the contract that he signed, it's almost like people don't want him to succeed now. It's really weird, Jay. I can't put it into terms, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Seth Jones as the Blackhawks embark on this rebuild because Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, the two other players that have no movement clauses, their contract is coming to an end. Seth Jones is here for the next eight years, and I don't see that contract being moved. So that puts the Blackhawks in a kind of peculiar spot as well as they they try to embark upon this full scorched earth rebuild, which is another thing we can talk about with this trade as well, how trading all these draft picks and young players have really put the Blackhawks in a worse position than they were in originally. Yeah, it's it's weird. It feels like the situations of the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets have almost kind of flipped a little bit. Like, um, I was just talking to uh, Tony Ferrari, draft expert, about this and how the Blue Jackets basically didn't sell the whole farm for that one playoff win against Tampa Bay in 2019. But they had like, two, I think they had two draft picks in that next draft and it was fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. And cool. suddenly they've turned that around and they got, they had three first round picks last year. They had two first round picks this year. You look at the players that they've picked up with those and suddenly the Blue Jackets have gone from having basically nothing in the cupboard to actually maybe one of the best defensive pools in like prospect pools in the NHL. Like, yeah, there are some gaps in terms of some positions, but the Blue Jackets have really kind of turned things around with a speed that I don't think anyone was expecting. And it does feel a little bit like the Blackhawks were there. It feels like the if the Blackhawks had maybe had one to two more seasons of patience instead of Stan Bowman losing his mind and being like, I'm going to, trade the future for Seth Jones. And then obviously what's ended up happening is Debrinkat's gone. Uh, Brandon Hagel, who was another promising young player, has gone. Um, Dylan Strome has gone, who, I mean, I know Blackhawk fans didn't like him very much. I've always been very high on on Dylan Strome. And I know that you liked him a lot as well. Um, it's been it's been a strange, a strange kind of flipping of, of circumstances for these two teams. And I mean, fortunately for me, the Blue Jackets are on the winning side of that, I think. Unfortunately for you, I think the Blackhawks have got a little bit a little bit to go before they uh, are even back in the, the situation where they're like, right, okay, we're on our way out of the rebuild now. I think it's going to be a tough couple of, tough couple of seasons for, for Blackhawks fans. All right, part one of my conversation with Jay Forster will be wrapping up here in just a few minutes. But first, I got to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Summer is here, and you're going to need some food for being on the go. Well, Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you everywhere you go. Throw them into your bags, throw them into your kids' backpacks, and make sure that everyone has a bar to be fueled for their summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bar is that they're both delicious and healthy, so there's no more sacrificing delicious food for health, because with Built Bar, you can have both. You can get the best of both worlds. And have you tried Built Bar Puffs yet? Because if you haven't, then you're seriously missing out on one of the best-tasting protein bars on the market right now, with flavors like banana cream pie, cinnamon churro, s'mores, birthday cake. It's unbelievable. These seriously taste like candy bars and you'll have a hard time believing when you're eating them that they're only 140 calories and have 17 grams or more of protein in each bar but they do 
So head on over to Built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's Built.com with the exclusive promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. Yeah, this year is going to be very gross. I'm not looking forward to it. But yeah, I mean, if you just go back and look at this trade, I mean, if you want to successfully go about a rebuild, you do what Columbus did here. I mean, this is picture perfect. Going back on the deal for those who may have forgotten, it has been a year now or over a year a little bit. Uh, the Blackhawks acquired Seth Jones, a 2021 first round pick, which was the 32nd overall selection, and a 2022 six round pick in exchange for Adam Boquist, Uh, A 2021 first, which was the 12th overall selection, a 2022 first, which wound up being the sixth overall selection, and a 2021 second. Uh, And now we can know what this deal is a little bit further since the draft picks have happened. The Blackhawks essentially got Seth Jones, Nolan Allen, which is who they took at number 32, which is looking like a really shaky pick. I'm not going to lie. And then the 2022 sixth round pick they used on Dominic James, who's a young player, uh, still playing college hockey with the University of Minnesota Duluth. But for Columbus, they wound up with Adam Boquist, the 12th overall selection in last year's draft wound up being Cole Sillinger, who was the only player from that draft to stay in the NHL for the entirety of the season. They get the sixth overall pick this year, which they take David Yerichek, defenseman from um, the Czech Republic. And then they also use that second to acquire Jake Bean, correct? Yes. Yeah, they so, flipped that second for Jake Bean from Carolina. So that's how you go about a rebuild right there. You get Adam Boquist, one of the best prospects in the Blackhawks system at that time, a thin prospect pool, but Adam Boquist, still very talented. Cole Sillinger, as I already mentioned, the only player from that draft as an 18-year-old to play over the nine-game limit. All of the rest of the players were sent back to juniors. David Yerchek, obviously the jury's still out on him. We don't know what type of player he's going to be, but looks like a solid defenseman adding to a, a Blue Jackets prospect pool that's now seemingly growing and growing and growing because of this trade. And then they also got Jake Bean, who as a 23-year-old this year, played over 20 minutes per game. I mean, tell me the Blackhawks couldn't use all of those pieces right now. That's the funny part about this is now that Kyle Davidson's in charge, all he's talked about throughout the rebuilding process is accumulating assets through the draft, developing properly, and hitting on those high first-round picks. The high first-round picks he knows are really what's going to be crucial to turning this around. And the Blackhawks, if they didn't make this trade, they could have had the 12th overall pick last year. And according to some sources, it looked like they were going to take Cole Sillinger themselves had they kept the pick. And then they also could have had the 6th and 7th pick in this year's first-round draft, assuming that they still trade Alex to it. They could have had 6 and 7 and then 13 in this year's draft too if they decided to trade Kirby Doc as well. I mean... That's those picks are crucial for a team going through a rebuild. And I know Kyle Davidson would have loved to still have those draft picks. It really would have set the Blackhawks up in a better position than they're at right now, because even though I think they had a pretty good 2022 NHL draft and they had 11 picks in this year's draft, I mean, it's clear what they're trying to do here, but the prospect pool still has a little bit of a ways to go for sure. Now there is a couple players with the potential to be high end talent, but it would it, it could be a whole lot deeper had they not made this trade. And of course, going through a rebuild, 
there's no need to take on the contract of a player like Seth Jones at $9.5 million. Now that the Blackhawks are going to be in a financial jam any longer, which they've been in for a greater part of a decade now, but um, having that $9.5 million tied up for the next eight years with a full no movement clause, I mean, it's definitely not ideal. So all in all, I mean, there's no way to go about it that you can make any case for the Blue Jackets here. I mean, they went, it, it helped kickstart their rebuild. They added to their prospect pool, got some high-end talent. They also acquired a great young defenseman in Jake Bean, who's already taking on a major role. I mean, again, this is how you go about a rebuild. And I'm sure Kyle Davidson is spending time locked in a bathroom by himself screaming about what Stan Bowman did because it really hindered the Blackhawks. And that's why this is going to be a four, five, six year process because we got to build back up this prospect pool because Stan Bowman seemingly shipped all of them out the door. So um, from a Blackhawks perspective, Jay, there's no other way to say it, that this was a massive failure and really put them in a tough spot going forward. But getting into how this affected Columbus, I mean, like you said, you just have to be ecstatic about all the doors that it's opened. And I think having a prospect pool like this, I'm sure maybe not a huge reason, but could have been a big, a big part of why Johnny Goudreau decided to come here, right? Like there is young talent here now, and there's going to be young talent coming through the system in the next few years. Like talk to me about how massive of a win this was for Columbus, because on paper, it, it really looks like it, it helped them in many different ways. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like let's, let's start off with the, the prospect that we got out of Boquist didn't play a lot this season. Uh, had some injury trouble. I believe he got put on the, the COVID protocol list at one point. But man, every time I watch him play, I'm like, how is this kid only 21? Like he, I think he, he had 10 or 12 goals this season. Uh, just scored most of them from about six feet away from the net. Like this kid is, I don't want to say Seth Jones light. He could be our Seth Jones replacement. If he can stay healthy, if he can keep going on this this development path um you know with the greatest respect in the world to the Blackhawks development system I don't know that they really knew what they had with Adaboquist and I don't know that they knew how to get the most out of him um I think Columbus can do that uh they ended up drafting Cole Sillinger at 12th overall who like you said played in the NHL as an 18 year old uh scored a hat trick as one of, like, I think he was the sixth or seventh youngest player ever to score a hat-trick in the NHL. Um, The youngest player to do it since, I believe, Patrick Laine did it in 2016. I remember that that thinking, this kid is about to change the game. Yeah. And I just, I, Cole Sillinger, I think, was the most exciting part of last season for me. To watch this kid come into this league and, okay, I think he only had 16 goals or something, but 16 goals as an 18-year-old on a team that struggled to score as it is, like, and he's just getting started. He's going to be even better this season, I think. Um, you know, poten- there's potential of putting him between Patrick Laine and Johnny Gaudreau, like, as as a 19-year-old in this league. It's, it's really, really, he's something special that I didn't know that we had until he got on the ice and just showed the world, like. Brad Larson was, at the very beginning of the season, Brad Larson was like, I keep looking for reasons to send him back to the WHL, and he's just not giving me any. He's making me keep him. So, you know, 
I would have been happy with, I think, legitimately, I would have been happy with just getting Cole Sillinger out of this deal. Like, that's how much, that's how much I love Cole Sillinger. <laughs> um, we ended up picking David Juracek with the sixth overall pick. He was one of my, he was my, I think I had him ranked second or third in terms of prospects in this draft. Uh, I'm super, super happy that the Blue Jackets end up getting him. I think him dropping to sixth was a bit of a shock. But Philadelphia helped us out, decided to draft Cutter Gauthier, just an incredibly Philadelphia Flyers player, which is a whole other thing. But I'm super excited. He's another guy. I could see him in the NHL in October. I think he could walk onto this team. Um, and that's maybe one of my hot takes for this this offseason is that David Juracek is going to be on the roster in, in uh, October. But I also don't think it's that hot of a take. And then you look at Jake Bean, who has kind of been the extra player thrown in and like you say he's playing 20 minutes tonight as as a 23 year old as well you know the players that we got just kick-started this rebuild we got a 23 year old a 21 year old two draft picks one of whom played in the nhl at 18 years old the other one who could play in the nhl this season like yeah kyle davidson must be cursing stan bowman's name on a nightly basis <laughs> all right that is going to wrap up part one of my special crossover with Jay Forster from Lockdown Blue Jackets. Thank you all again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks right now, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news and updates throughout the NHL offseason. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show or to the Blackhawks, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, all one word. Or you could also hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, and you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.